Blog Talk Radio. Well, good evening, and welcome to another episode of A Sound Heart. And I want to give thanks to God for this opportunity to meet with you once again. It uh, it has become well; these days are have become very interesting in many respects. And I'm watching Bible prophecy very carefully, and that is the prophetic word that I have studied over the years. And if I believe that uh, certain events are pointing uh, to biblical, the fulfillment of biblical prophecy, I will let you know. And uh, I want you to be careful about those who sensationalize uh, current events to say that, well, this is happening and that event happened in fulfillment of Bible prophecy. Uh, be very careful of people who say make, make such announcements. And uh, I have to say you must study your Bible. Be circumspect. Be, be very wise. Uh, have ears that are both uh, in tune with the Spirit of God and have ears that are learned, have a heart that is filled with the Word. Because if your heart is filled with the Word, you will know truth and you will know error. You will know sensationalism. Uh, you will uh, be able to discern grandiose uh, speculations and unbiblical claims immediately because the Holy Spirit of God is, and let me say, he and he alone is our primary teacher. Now, I'm going to be reading shortly here from the, the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, particularly verse 35, to be our focus. But I'm going to start at Hebrews 10, uh, verse 19. But um, so I want you to just be very circumspect in these evil days. Uh, Paul wrote that we are to be we are to redeem the times uh, because the days are evil and we can't afford to be negligent. Uh, that could be very destructive on our on our part. Uh, and I'm going to have other shows where I'm going to talk more and more about about prepping and being prepared. Uh, it's time for us to give up uh, the, the comfort of the culture because the culture has abandoned us. There is no more culture. And uh, so that's all gone. The Holy Spirit is telling us and is showing us 
the, the, the evil nature of this culture. Uh, the evil is aggressive. It, it is darkness that seeks to overtake not the lives of, of the people of the cosmos, because the Bible tells us that uh, the, the people of the cosmos are dead in trespasses and sins. Please read Ephesians chapter 2. Paul says that we were, we were dead. Ontos uh, is the Greek word that is being dead in trespasses and sins. But we have now come into a saving knowledge and a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. We were saved by God from the penalty of sin, and we are being saved uh, by God's Holy Spirit from the power of sin. And ultimately, when Jesus comes back, we will be saved from the, uh, from the presence of sin. So penalty, power, and presence. You and I live between the already and the not yet. Don't be seduced taking up the destructive values of the convict system. Because once the enemy and his uh, and the evil spirits seduce you away from God, uh, you're going to find yourself in a lot of trouble. And pressure uh, in the lives uh, in the lives of believers, uh, there are some believers who the pressure they encounter push, pushes them away from God. That's what we're going to look at in Hebrews 10. There was pressure put upon these believers to abandon the way of God, to abandon uh, the messianic claim, claims of Jesus Christ uh, as their Messiah and Savior in their lives. And so, as then, so now, the pressure remains. And so the writer to the Hebrews uh, in uh, chapter 10, beginning verse 19, writes, or wrote, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance, yeah, complete assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Listen, uh, it's unfortunate that today, uh, having a understanding that we have been cleansed uh, with the blood of Christ, has fallen by the wayside. It is as if that doctrine is not real or of any value 
And just think of the compromise that's involved in that individual's life that has uh, so that has arrived to this view of the, the blood of Christ. That it's of little value, it's of little consequence. And there are some so-called uh, religious or religions or, or religious buildings, as they have been called, that allow these drag individuals to come in and preach their profane and demonic truth, their truth, that is their lies. And there are individuals who are seduced by the world system into thinking, you know, well, I should accept this, and it's okay for me uh, to, to compromise, and uh, the enemy takes advantage of the publicity because he wants others to look upon and see what is going on. And uh, some people become guilty. And it's just the whisper of the enemy to see why can't you accept? Why do you stand off and away from these individuals? Look, they're doing no harm. The narrative of the Trojan horse is Oh, we see it in uh, the uh, the Bible, where people came to uh, uh, the people whom God had called it, uh, who were supposed to be defeated by the people of God. Uh, God's people took them in because they believed what what their eyes told them, and. They looked at their sandals, they looked at the old food, and they were seduced by what they saw, and they did not inquire of the Lord about these people. I've never once read in the Word of God where in order to, that the people of God could remain spiritually healthy if they partnered with uh, those who were in darkness. The Bible tells me, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Haven't you read in the book of Genesis about the godly line uh, and the ungodly line and what happened at a certain point in history where those were the ungodly line and the godly line uh, met and there was extreme spiritual compromise. And it was this corruption uh, that God said that, that he, he would not always strive with man because every thought of the imagination of his heart was only evil continually. You see, there is this process of, of making evil palatable. There is this process of making evil acceptable and making the ruin of evil seem as if it is harmless. This is the, the 
seductive tactics of the enemy. Don't be seduced by that lie. So he goes on. Uh, Verse 23, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promise. So he is speaking to the believing community. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. Read James chapter 1 about the individual who wavers. That is the two-souled individual. Uh, This person is not blessed. It is the person who is focused on the Lord. It is the person who has put his hands to the plow and does not look back. This person is fit for the kingdom of God. Those who put their hands to the plow and look back are not fit for the kingdom. Remember what the Bible says about Lot's wife. She looks back and compromised. She looks, and when she looks back, you can tell that the seduction of Sodom and Gomorrah was complete. She had been seduced to her own ruin. The enemy has this plan that he uses on believers, and that is to get you and I to co-partner with him in destroying us. When we co-partner with the enemy to our own destruction, it makes his work easier. And let us consider one another to provoke one another unto love and to good works. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. We, you, please read the Gospel of John. Read Jesus' uh, prayer for his church. And read the words of Jesus, I am the vine and ye are the branches. And what God Read about how God treats those who produce fruit and he prunes their lives so they can produce more fruit. And read about what God does to uh, that which is unprofitable. See, God is a very careful husbandman. He is a very careful and meticulous farmer. He knows what he is looking at. He knows the fruit that uh, he will get from our lives. And he knows those who have crucified the flesh with uh, its, its affections and lusts and those who have not. One cannot say that he lives a life or she lives a life well-pleasing to God if the flesh has not been crucified. Because if the flesh has not been crucified, then Christ cannot be prominent. This is what we see 
in the so-called visible church today. We see the prominence, the preeminence. We see the flesh sitting upon the throne. And we see those who celebrate their religiosity because they have what? They have uplifted, they have sanctified, they have deified the uncrucified life. And so the visible church is weakened thereby. Verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but, but exhorting one another so much the more as you see the day approaching. For if we sin willfully, and that word sin in the Greek is in what we call a, uh, it, it, is a it is a participle, it's a present active participle. If we sin willfully, that is sin which enjoins culpability. If we sin willfully, if we sin willfully. Now notice, the volition is involved. The volition is always involved in sin. Sin is lack of conformity to the character of God or want of conformity to the character of God an act, disposition, or state. If we sin willfully, after that we have received the epinosis, the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sin. Now, look at this passage very carefully because in the Greek this reads, there is no longer, there no longer is left behind an offer or sacrifice for sin. Present passive indicative. But a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation, that is a fierceness of fire. Now People have moved so far away from God in their hearts and their lives that they think that, well, God's just an idea, or there is no God. And certainly judgment isn't real because in their volition, in their mind, judgment, uh, judgment can be real because God's not real. God isn't there. Think about that thought. And over the years, I've watched people boldly herald their atheism. And just recently, this this Robbie Zacharias. And what was found out about this guy, who is supposed to be a Christian uh, apologist, and he was thought to be learned and erudite, but his his other life, his secret life, his real life, was filled with lechery and darkness and sexual ruin. 
And it, it, all of this rot, uh, all of this uh, horrible stuff came out about this guy uh, immediately after his death. Immediately. It came out. And God said, you know, what you hide, I'm going to, I will expose from the rooftop. Expose the sin of David. God exposed the sin of the antediluvian world. God exposed the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah. God exposed the sin of the people of Canaan. And God judged them through general Joshua. So is it? Well, we'll we're we're protected. The Hebrews will not dare attack us because the Jordan River is at flood stage. So we don't have to worry. We don't have to be concerned about the Hebrews uh, invading our land. At this time, they had heard about the victories that Yahweh Elohim had gotten over Egypt. They had heard about the parting of the Red Sea, but that was that was a while ago. They had heard about the victories that God's God's people had amassed on their way to the promised land, but that was a while ago. So we're okay. But it's flood stage, so we still have some time. And I want you to note how people under judgment always look for the buffer, always look for the secure barrier, because there's nothing with our naturalistic eyes, that our naturalistic eyes can see, there's nothing that God can do right now. We're protected. And God warns, and God warns the unsaved. God parted the waters of the Jordan. And what those Sinners said cannot begun uh, be done. God did. Read about the way they prepared them. Read about Jericho. My Bible tells me that Jericho, everything was shut up tight. And you have read about Catherine Kenyon who went over there and she saw the walls of Jericho and through her studies and the studies of others, it shows exactly what happened to Jericho. That is the walls fell down flat around the world. There, there is an incredible amount of evidence about the flood and even the Greek writers wrote such a 
uh, the Greek writers wrote about the flesh of men being turned to stone because of the gods. Uh, that is through the judgment of the gods. They wrote about these things. If we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge, that is, that word epinosis means complete or full knowledge of the truth. There are made us no, no more sacrifice for sin, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation, which shall devour the adversaries. See, this is the, this is the part of the word of God that people don't like to teach because uh, now if you read the book of James, James will James will say, well, if you if you love the world, then you're the enemy of God. He was an old preacher; he could say that. If you you have friendship with the world, makes you an enemy of God. He says this to so-called professing believers. Why would God say, look, you, you're, you're now an enemy combatant, combatant. You've joined forces with the world. And so now you're, you, you're God's enemy. God is at war with the cosmos. So if you have received through grace the epinosis of the truth, look, it says, but it's certain Fearful, looking for a judgment and firing indignation, which shall devour the enemy. And it literally an anger marked by fire. An anger marked by fire. Isaiah 26, 11, Zephaniah 1, 19, Psalm 79, 5. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. How much more that is, this is now a matter of degree or measure, of how much more sore punishment, suppose ye, shall he be thought worthy, who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God, and hath counted the blood of the covenant, wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing, and hath done despot unto the Spirit of grace. That is, you've not you've insulted the Spirit. How many messages have you heard on insulting the spirit? Probably, probably very few or none. But you, you insult the spirit when you treat Christ, you know, in this unholy or with unholy disregard. And God says you're going to be punished because now you've treated the blood of Christ uh, as nothing. The precious blood of Christ, who was sacrificed, uh, sacrificed for us without uh, without blemish, without spot. His holy character, his ho- uh, was crucified on our behalf. For we know him that hath said, "Vengeance belongeth unto me; I will recompense," saith the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. Notice the language. God is talking about his people. God is the God of judges, of justice. He is patient, but he will punish. 
I've seen people who like to parade about on stage and they give messages and they do very little to help people. We live in very dark and very difficult days. We need the word of God. And please understand what is going on here. God says, vengeance belongs to me. I will recompense, saith the Lord. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. It is a fearful thing. But call you to remember the former days in which after you were illuminated, you endured a great fight of affliction. Look, if you are a believer, you are going to be afflicted by this world. You're going to be afflicted by, uh, by people of the world. And Paul even wrote about being afflicted by false brethren, false brethren. Uh, and you know, read very carefully the word just to, just to get an idea of the conflict that, uh, that Paul faced uh, in his ministry. I'm going to read from 2 Corinthians 12. Um, Paul wrote, because of the afflictions that he was suffering, he said, and this is what God said to him, that when Paul prayed, that uh, these things might be removed from me. This is Second Corinthians twelve eight, and then Paul got into his prayer, verse nine, and he said to me, "Quote, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made complete in weakness." What? My grace is sufficient for you. I'm not going to pull you out of what you are facing and what you are suffering. I'm not going to take you out of it. I'm not going to extricate you, but I'm going to lead you through it with my power. So Paul said, well, well, most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities. I hear very few believers say this. I'm going to glory in my infirmities, in my weaknesses. I'm going to glory in them. You see, you see the blessing? You see why believers are, are professing believers who are in love with, with the ego, with their own ego? You see why they experience very few blessings in their lives? Because the flesh hasn't been crucified. Now, Jesus is coming again coming in the fullness of his glory. What do you think is going to happen to those who have remained uh, in the idolatry of the ego? You think that their their finite ego egos can withstand or stand in the presence? You think their corrupt egos you think they can stand in the presence of eternal glory? I will rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ 
may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmity and reproaches. That word reproach there means insult or injury, in necessity, in persecution, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So the writer to the Hebrews says, look, this is 1033, partly whilst you were made a gaze and stock, both by reproaches and afflictions, and partly whilst you became companions of them that were so used. For you had compassion of me and my bonds, and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, that is, the state had seized their properties. Knowing in yourselves that you have in heaven a better and an enduring substance, possessions, goods, wealth, and prosperity. Verse 35. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense or reward. That is, don't throw away your confidence. What does it mean? Uh, one Bible reads, don't, don't cast away, uh, don't throw, out, throw away your boldness. I like that. I like that translation. But this word, confidence, it literally means freedom in speaking. Well, what is the First Amendment? Well, freedom of speech. Some people say that we have the Second Amendment in order to keep the first. So don't throw away your freedom, your confidence, your boldness in speaking. Speaking what? Speaking the truth. Not speaking a truth you do not live and not speaking truth to power. I don't have no idea what that language means. But for believers who have crucified the flesh with its affections and lust, and they have given themselves earnestly over to the study of the word and to to live out, please read Psalm 119, and to live out through the power of the indwelling spirit what the word of God has taught them, what the Holy Spirit has taught them, And they know in their hearts that they are being changed from glory to glory because they are growing up in grace. What have they learned? They've learned what? The Holy Spirit of God has built them up and is building them up in the truth. And not only that, but the truth also stabilizes their souls. We are in in a horrific mental health crisis today. These people want to seize everything from people's lives. They don't want you to have power in your home. In fact, they don't want you to have a home. They don't want you to have a car. They want all of your possessions. They want to bring in this new society where you will own nothing and you will be happy. 
Notice the decree. Notice the decree. You will own nothing and you will be happy. That is their decree. I've been a believer for many years. And in my early days, we did a lot of street witnessing and we witnessed uh, in what at the time were called rescue missions. And I used to listen to a show called Unshackled. And I used to listen to a brother named Jerry Edinger on a show called Night Watch. I used to listen to another uh, brother on a show, uh, had a show called The National Radio Pulpit. I listened to another brother from the East Coast. And uh, he was a blessing. So these, uh, and uh, a great friend of mine, Reverend Jerome Flasher was on a Christian radio broadcast. And these three pastors would get together and they would answer, it was a calling show, and they would answer Bible study questions. This, this was during the great Bible study movement. And Bible studies uh, grew up around the country. And this is when the Evangelical Teacher Training Association uh, was, had a ton of literature why? Getting believers trained in the word and blessing lives and blessing hearts. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, freedom of speaking. Look, if you love your ego, the Bible says, Jesus says, what will a man give in exchange for his, for his soul? The one who loves his soul will lose it. Jesus said, fear him not who is able to kill the body, but for him who is able to destroy body and soul in hell and Gehenna. What are you living for? What are you living for today? Brothers and sisters, I want to say to you, don't don't cast away. Don't throw away your confidence. That is your boldness in speaking in these evil days. People need your word of encouragement. People need uh, you to speak the word of truth. People need you to live the word of truth. People need for you to come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord. It's time to leave the world system behind. It's crumbling. It has crumbled away. It has been swept away. People are in transition into a new cosmic system. And it is a prison. And it is dangerous. Jesus is literally our only escape. I do not play with him. I do not play with religion. I do not pretend like religion has any value. It doesn't. Years ago, I walked away from the hypocrisy of religion. I never seen people who could preach so wonderfully and teach so wonderfully while they're on stage 
But then as soon as they dissent, they say horrendous things about people. And they will talk about you like you're a lot of child's dog. And they will treat you worse. The Bible enjoins us to forgive. God says, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. And so we have to forgive. We must practice forgiveness. It's time that you become very serious about this. For you have need of patience. After that, you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. Now, God willing, uh, this Sunday, I want to teach on the rest of this chapter. So there are some very important truths I want to bring out, and I want to talk some more about preparedness because I want you to get serious about preparedness. I want you to be led by the Spirit. And watch God open doors for you. Watch God bless you. Because preparedness is not only about my household, my family. It is about one's neighbors and whom God will lead us uh, to touch and to help uh, in these days. There are a lot of people hurting out there. There are a lot of people uh, who have mental health issues, that is, spiritual issues. They need your help because a lot of things are going to be closed to them. And so it is my prayer that you will change your heart as I must change my heart in some areas and get seriously focused on what it means to abide in Christ, to be preoccupied with the person of Christ, to grow in grace, and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, so that God would give us boldness of speech, God will build us up, and God will stabilize our soul during these evil days. Paul wrote, in the last days, demonic, horrific times will come. I want you to be ready through the power of the Spirit of God to negotiate, but God, through his spirit, will lead us to negotiate. But you must be right with him. You must give up religion. You must surrender that ego. You must be ready to give your life completely to God. Dear Father, thank you for this time to speak with the saints. I ask, Father, that you will direct and guide our hearts through Jesus, our Savior. In his wonderful name, I pray. Amen. Good night, and God bless you.